Hello, I'm Kim Katola, host of Cradle My Heart Radio. Our mission is preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. And our vision is to bring abortion recovery to the church, reaching out to equip and encourage pastors, elders, ministry leaders, and others so they can minister God's love to the millions of Christians personally impacted by this moral crisis of our time. Saving lives and healing hearts, this is Cradle My Heart Radio. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. Where can you find God's voice in the noise on reproductive choice? For over a million women and men each year, the question goes beyond politics to become much more pressing and personal, both before and after the choice. And we are called to love the little children just as God does. Listen to Cradle My Heart Radio with your host, Kim Katola, speaker, writer, and broadcaster, sharing God's truth to prevent abortion and help those it hurts. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day today, wherever you may be listening. And we are happy that you are here and that you are turning your attention and your mind and your heart to the issue of preventing and repenting abortion in the church. Abortion is most certainly a church issue, and yet pastors are needing equipping and encouragement, and that's what we aim to do here, helping pastors, church leaders, elders, anyone involved in a position of influence in the faith to be bold in our witness for protecting the youngest members of the human family, as well as leading those who have already fallen into that trap and that sin into repentance and full recovery and restoration in the Lord. And today we are joined by uh, Jack Harper, who is with the Save One Ministry, which is a worldwide outreach to women and men who have been impacted by abortion. Jack, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Jack is a former pastor, so you know that um, he has grappled with these issues from the pulpit. You know that he knows pastors and fellowships with pastors and I think that, um, Jack, it's so valuable for pastors to be able to connect with other pastors on this issue because mm-hmm. nobody wants to be that lone voice in your community, much less, you know, in, in the church. <laughs> how, yeah. how generally do you think pastors, how well are they doing on building each other up and on getting a handle on the whole problem of abortion in the church? Well, you know, I think uh, it's been a tough thing over the years because as pastors, we wanted people to know uh, that abortion is a sin and that it is a tough place. We realize that that people end up in this tough spot. And um, at the same time, we wanted to bring some type of healing and reconciliation for those that had been through. And that is the beauty of what Save One does. So we help men, women, and families recover from the aftermath of abortion. So a pastor can talk about, um, you know, what the Bible says about abortion, but then at the same time he can extend hope and healing and forgiveness for those who've already encountered that. Mm. And when when you look at the statistics, there's there's been over 62 million abortions that have been counted since Roe versus Wade. And so that equates to one out of every three women of childbearing age uh, that's sitting in the church. The numbers aren't different inside the church and outside the church. And then there's a man that goes with each one of those abortions. So 
and then there's two sets of grandparents, their siblings, you know, the numbers just keep adding up. And so it's a huge untapped mission field that these churches have uh, sitting right in their own own congregation and in their community. And so we find that pastors are uh, welcoming us in to talk about it and to begin that pathway of healing for those that are in the church and in the community. Save One has always had an emphasis on being in the church and being a part of the church. And I I think this is so important because um, I see a lot of churches that are, you know, actively pro-life, proclaiming the value of life from the pulpit, and yet then just referring people to a pregnancy center. Not there's anything wrong with that. But in other words, not really rolling up their sleeves in the church to minister to people. Yeah. So there, uh, we love what pregnancy centers do. In Me fact, too. We champion them. We they Me are too. so awesome in their in their efforts. The sidewalk advocates that do the things that they do, mm-hmm. um, you know that that's amazing. And some of the pregnancy centers, not all of them, but some of them, uh, do abortion recovery in those pregnancy centers. And so we we are always glad to partner with them. And in fact, that's how my wife got her healing. It was through a pregnancy center running an ad on a local radio station that she heard that there was a class for those that were suffering. And so she went and she went through that class, similar to what Save One does. And she found her healing and she hasn't been able to be quiet about it since. (laughs) So, but at the same time, I mean, just numerically, it's the church is the only entity that's set up to be able to handle the the massive numbers of people that have been affected by abortion. So we, we work hard and have from probably onset to um, make this available to churches and resource the churches so that they can uh, help people find their rightful place in the kingdom again. Mm. So, yeah. Well, and I, I agree with everything you've said about the centers. I've also found my healing at a pregnancy center and spent a lot of years volunteering and leading groups. And wow, there's nothing better than seeing hope dawn on someone's face, right? Yeah, But I absolutely. think there's still a little bit of a disconnect in some churches where they feel like, well, that's the job they're doing and we can get about the gospel, not understanding how central the gospel is to saving lives and helping those lives be restored of the parents who have lost children to abortion. Um, Jack Harper's our guest. He's the men's director at uh, Save One. And as he's mentioned, it's a worldwide outreach. How many different chapters of Save One are there now in the world, Jack? So we now have 353 chapters in 28 nations around the world. Uh, We have trained leaders on six continents and the original study that for women has been translated into 21 different languages. So God has just opened so many doors and uh, made the way for, for healing for so many different places. But our work is still way ahead of us. You know, I mean, there's so, so we're not, we're not ubiquitous is what I, I usually say. We, we're not everywhere, but we want to be. So mm-hmm. people can have that healing. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's saveone.org if you're looking right away yep. to connect to that resource. Uh, yeah. Listen to the end of the broadcast, but there it is, saveone.org. You know, I want to talk about the fact that this is such a deeply rooted spiritual issue when we start talking about abortion. And I've seldom met anyone in my 20 years of talking with men and women who have suffered after abortion. I've seldom met anyone who was walking um, 
solid Christian path and just had an abortion. Now, Christians have abortions, but there is there seems to be a need for discipleship on this question. There seems to be a need for, uh, as you said, it's happening in the church in the same way that it's happening in the culture. You know, that, that there's a need for something way before that pregnancy, that problem pregnancy occurs. And I want to give you a chance to talk about the covenant of the brotherhood. And I think this is something that might resonate with the men who are listening, because it's a biblical approach to uh, guys being the men that God has called them to be. Yeah. So I, uh, for our denomination, I was the men's director for our district, which is the state of Tennessee. And we had what we called the Covenant of the Brotherhood, and that was just the men's ministry. And it all came from Amos uh, 1. And in Amos 1, the uh, the Lord is talking about this uh, this punishment that that they're going to receive, the children of Israel, because they they kept not the Covenant of the Brotherhood. In other words, they didn't keep their word. And so with, with, with us not keeping our word, there's always a consequence to it. With us not keeping the covenant that we have with the Lord, with our family, with marriage, with whatever it is, when we don't keep our covenant, then there's a, a consequence to that. And so my, my goal and, and my passion is to see people just be covenant keepers and to do the right thing, it, you know, even when it's a hard thing to do the right thing. So um, that, that, that plays along with the, the question that you asked there. I mean, you know, we, uh, we find ourselves in tough situations, and, and it's usually because we've made a choice that, that's outside of God's Word. And when we get in those situations and, and we don't do what we're supposed to, then, uh, then that just compounds it. So, I mean... Um, you know, this is just life 101 that we're talking about, but right. it just is, is so much, um, the, 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 the consequence and the impact of the consequence is so much more when we're talking about taking the life of, of the unborn and the effects on that, because God didn't create us to be able to make that decision one and then to be able to deal with that decision, because we're not spiritually, we're not emotionally, we're not mentally able to handle the consequence of that decision. And so the only way that we can fix ourselves after making that type of decision is to have a divine intervention with Him, and that can come through His Word, or that can come through, um, you know, just a, in a, in a, an incredible encounter with Him, um, at a prayer altar or in our homes or wherever it is, but um, it, it takes a divine intervention to be able to recover from that. Mm. And as you have helped men in the recovery process, I've seen research that from Lifeway uh, that says that, you know, a majority of women choose abortion to please someone else, and often it's mm. the man who influences the decision more than anyone else. Yeah. And so I would like to see if that's borne out in the cases that you've encountered in the sort of the mini case studies that Save One has brought to your attention. You know, is it is this something that men are really driving in terms of the decision making? 
so from my experience and, and we haven't we haven't actually done case studies and and we've thought about that several times but here's in from my my experience we men come to us in different ways some of the men were complicit they coerced they wanted the abortion they kind of talked it up you know and and there's guilt and shame and grief and sorrow from that and then there's other men that come to us who didn't even, didn't even know that there was a child and the abortion happened and then they were told about it afterwards and so there's grief and shame or grief and sorrow that go with that and then there are others that um marry into a situation where the abortion has already happened with a with a different person and they find out about it and but they're living in the aftermath of that and so you know there's with these different ways that men come to um dealing with that they they don't have uh, i haven't found that there's just this um predominant way that it does you know that it occurs for people so i i I can't say that it's always that way sure well that that's good thank you for educating me on that you know the other category that i can think of is the man who desperately wanted to give life to his child but was overridden and these men have i'm sorry i didn't mention that and i should have you're exactly right because because i then then i imagine there's anger there are different emotional dynamics that happen in that case yeah, it uh, it, it has it had such far-reaching effects, and it, it it comes from different angles. But it's it's the you know, it it is so harsh when it comes mm. in, in each of those ways. So, yeah, Jack Harper is our guest. He's from Save One, and he runs the men's outreach for this international abortion recovery ministry. And Jack, as you think about what men need spiritually in the aftermath of abortion, it's occurred to me that abortion emasculates men. I mean, it destroys mm. their role in procreation. It destroys their role as God-given, their God-given roles as protector and provider for a family. But yeah. I don't know that saying that it emasculates men, is, is, that too, is that going too far to draw in the men who might need help to put it in those terms? It, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if it does or not. I mean, it, it, that is, um, that that is definitely one of the symptoms that we deal with. So, you know, when when somebody has experienced this, either from a complicit standpoint or not being complicit and wanting the child and couldn't save the child, or finding out later, they. Um, they, they go through these symptoms, and, and what we find is there's alcoholism, there's drug use, there's workaholism for men, and there's pornography. And pornography kind of hits with the uh, emasculation that you're talking about because they they have lost the ability to be a part of who it is that God created them to be. Like you said, the priest, the provider, and the protector, especially the protector, that part is ripped away. So. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't think that's too strong to say it that way. It, um, you know, the the enemy he works so hard to get us to make that wrong decision, and then he works even harder afterwards to try to just to to you know once we've opened that door of death, he just tries to continue until he consumes us, 
even after the ma- in the aftermath. So it's um, it's hard, but yeah. Mm. You know, and as I've um, worked with women, I think it's, first of all, it's so beautiful how the Lord can take all those various needs, bring men together in a group, you know, and have them minister to one another, maybe because of the common thread of grief, because every abortion is the loss of a family member, right? Um, Right. But that some men, you know, who wanted to be a father can still be empathetic and spiritually supportive of a man who was coercive and had, you know, had no desire at all to do the the whatever he wanted to do. And so mm-hmm. I, I really I love that. And I think that, you know, as I've ministered to women, I see that the primary spiritual needs are, you know, repenting. We need to to bring the guilt to the Lord and allow him to change us. And grief, you know, we need to gain our hope and find a way for God to restore us. And I don't know yeah. if, uh, given the way you've described how men experience abortion, if if you think those are the primary spiritual challenges for men after abortion as well, guilt and grief. Yeah, uh, definitely. The You know, I mean, when walking through the Save One study, what we do is we, we help them um, to recant what, what has happened and then to understand the one uh, that they can rely on, the one that has their best interest in mind, the one that never leaves us nor forsakes us, and who he is and his abilities. And then we, we walk through the process of the emotional part and then the forgiveness. And that forgiveness is for, for self and then for other people. And then to start renewing the mind and then ultimately to talk about the child and, and who that child was. So um, it, that that process takes them through the the guilt and then the grief and then sets them on the path of uh, healing and walking in his wholeness again. So, yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, as we think about equipping and encouraging pastors— to preach on this topic, um, maybe in a message aimed toward the men rather than toward the women. Um, do you think that applying the biblical texts on child sacrifice is useful, or do you think it's uh, something else, maybe, you know, the prohibition of shedding innocent blood? Where does a pastor start if he wants to preach and disciple men about abortion? Yeah, I... Um and, and it, this one is, is different for everybody, really and truly. You know, I mean, it has to fit the culture of your church and, and what your church um, is working towards. Sure. So for me, for our church, we, we didn't, I, I mean, everybody understands, as far as I know, everybody understands the process of abortion and what that what we're doing. And so we talked about more from uh, the aspect of, laying down those things that we have kept secret and to walk into wholeness. And so we, we approached it from a softer uh, standpoint than some of the other, other people would have. Not that, not that we discounted the fact that it was sin. We never did that. I mean, we, we don't discount the fact that um, there has to be repentance. We always made sure of that, but it was, it, it's just, you know the the child sacrifice and those things. I mean that that has to be the culture of your church to be talking about that because um, every church isn't built that way. 
And so it, it just is according to how how you uh, minister on a regular basis at the church, I guess. Mm. Well, and I appreciate that because one of the things, you know, I engage on social media and try to just put out short messages so people can be thinking about it, you know, and try sure. to engage with some people who are um, mm, unrepentantly pro-abortion uh, every yeah. once in a while. I, my watchword, though, is don't cast your pearls before trolls. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of trampling that is going to happen to you on social media when you take right. up this topic, right? Yeah. But but um, I also, I think I see people in the pro-life world who do not understand the recovery and who do not understand the needs of the repentant heart. Maybe they have mm-hmm. a stereotype that everyone who had an abortion was just willful, knew exactly what they were doing, hard-hearted, and you know they they very in my opinion very insensitively you treat everyone as if they're in one monolithic group because they had had an abortion in their past and i you know i'm sensitive to it too because i'm i had an abortion and just like Sheila Harper your wife i was restored mm-hmm. through pregnancy help ministry first actually my process was as you said divine intervention the Lord showed me when I was given the gift of repentance, he showed me that I have a child in heaven, which yeah. uh, no, you know, I, I was able to confirm that in scripture, affirm it, I should say, in scripture. Um, but then trying to walk that out and trying to impress upon others that you don't need to fear God's wrath if you can just repent. Uh, you wouldn't know that from many pro-life voices, sad to say. Um, yeah. The, the tough thing, and a lot of people, unless unless you had been with or been abortion wounded, people don't understand the um, sensitivity that somebody that is abortion wounded or has um, a, a loss of a family member. If, if they don't understand that, they can't understand how their words affect them. Because even even when Sheila and I go in with a message of hope and love and healing and and what God can do in their lives in church, people still withdraw um, just by hearing the word abortion and what we're talking about. And a lot of times it is from being in church services where it's just been uh, preached that it's it's a sin and, you know, and, and there is no hope that's presented for aftermath. So um, if, if you don't understand the abortion wounded, it's hard to understand the words or graphic photos or whatever it is that, that it's hard to understand what that does to somebody that's abortion wounded. And, and, and so a lot of people will think, you know what, we don't even have anybody in our church. We've been told that so many times. We don't have anybody in our church that's a, that's had an abortion, and I'm like, you <laughs> have no idea how many you have right, in your church. Right. Yeah. So, for a pastor who's just now getting this message, Jack, what? How does he then? What are some quick changes? We've only got a couple minutes remaining, but some quick changes he can make to be more sensitive to the abortion wounded in his church. Yeah, I. Uh... You know, I, I would say pastors continue to preach um, that that abortion is wrong, and but continue to preach that there's grace and God's love and forgiveness, and that um, listen, we, we we believe 
that what we're doing helps people. In fact, we know it does. Based on the beginning of this from 2000 to now, we've helped tens and tens and tens of thousands of people go through this process and come out on the other side. So we would tell you Save One is incredible because it is God's Word applied directly to the wound. But there are so many abortion recovery ministries out there. Find one that fits your culture. If ours doesn't, just do abortion recovery and help those that are wounded in your church and then help those in the community. It's, it's the greatest untapped mission field. So if if they're doing that, then it's the most loving thing that they can do is, is to go out and to reach out to those that are hurting and help them find healing and hope and restoration. Mm, amen to that. And I think pastors, and I've heard this from many pastors, that the person who is recovered and who has that now that godly sorrow over abortion in their past, they have all the zeal that Corinthians tells us is going to result from their recovery. Yeah. And we really see that in the people that have uh, sought and found God's grace in it. Well, there's there's a biblical precedent for this. And if you remember, Peter and John are, are, are walking through the gate beautiful and the beggar's there. And Peter says, silver and gold, I have none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. You know, that's a great miracle. But if you read just a couple of chapters later, that same guy is now holding on to Peter. So when we get our healing at some place, and it happened for me, it happened for Sheila. Sheila started volunteering at the pregnancy center. Mm -hmm. I started serving at the church when I got my healing. People become attached to the place of their healing. So what you're doing is making a pathway for people to find that rightful place in the kingdom kingdom, and serve in the church the way that, that they always could have, Beautiful. but now have the freedom to. Thank you, Jack. Jack Harper with a great encouraging note to end on. Thank you, Jack. That was great. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org and especially from Scott Klusendorf's book, The Case for Life. Thanks for being here and see you next time. This is Cradle My Heart Radio with Kim Katola, preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. Please get in touch with Kim. Find out more at cradlemyheart.org. You can listen to the podcast on all platforms.